0: Hey there, I'm Scott Bertram, and I'm the director of the Hillsdale College Podcast Network. This show and all the other shows on the network are listener-supported. That means we hope for, we count on, frankly, we rely on the support of listeners like you to make our educational outreach possible. One of the best and most convenient ways to do so is joining the Liberty and Learning Society. That's our exclusive monthly giving group. And in this month of March, we are looking for 300 new members of the Liberty and Learning Society. When you join, you'll help defend liberty through education, and you'll make shows like this one possible far into the future. All you have to do is visit hillsdale.edu slash monthly and complete the secure online donation form. If you need to pause or stop your gift at some point, no problem. Just call us. One of our friendly students or staff will help you. But today, will you be one of the 300 new members of the Liberty and Learning Society in March? Go to hillsdale.edu slash monthly to join the Liberty and Learning Society today. Help us bring these shows to you and other Americans at hillsdale.edu slash monthly.
1: Welcome to Hillsdale College's Classical Education Podcast, bringing you insight into classical education and its unique emphasis on human virtue and moral character, responsible citizenship, content-rich curricula, and teacher-led classrooms. And now your host, Scott Bertram.
0: We're joined now by Dr. Kathleen O'Toole, Assistant Provost for K-12 Education at Hillsdale College and a former classical school headmaster. Dr. O'Toole, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks again, Scott. Great to be here.
0: We're discussing today what it takes to lead a school. And I I guess I somewhat want to get terminology out of the way first, because when we talk to people on this podcast through the the years, uh, there are principals, there are headmasters, there Mm -hmm. are different phrases to describe this person who's in charge of the school. Do, Do the delineations between those really mean much, or are we all talking about the same thing, essentially?
1: They're the same thing a principal is a that's a word for principal teacher originally that's what it meant and a headmaster is conveying a similar thing what we're talking about is the person who is in charge of the day-to-day operations of the school and who reports to the board or the the organization that owns and operates the school
0: we're going to dig into some of the some of the virtues some of the qualities if you were to say in one or two or three sentences what do you look for what what are the qualities of this this person who is in charge of all of these students and all the faculty at a school.
1: Yeah, it's a um, it's a question that comes up all the time because Hillsdale College is constantly working with new founding groups, new groups of people who want to bring a classical school to their community. And in our opinion and our own experience, those schools cannot be successful unless this this person that's chosen to be the headmaster or principal is the right person. Um, and so we, th- we think hard about it, and it's a really interesting question to me, too, because if you look at the leaders of our schools across the country now, they're all quite different from each other uh, in their education. Um, some of them are young, and this is sort of, you know, early on in their career that they're doing this big job. Some of them have already had a career in the military or in business of some sort, um, and now they're doing this. So there's there's not one path, either education or a career path that leads you to this, there are some things that all of these successful leaders have in common. And I think the first is they are willing and ready to take total responsibility for everything that happens within the walls of the school. Um, that's not to say that they're doing everything themselves. That's impossible. <laughs> but they they feel responsibility for everything that goes on. And they're not afraid um, of that level of ownership over it. And they are, um, they're master delegators, you know, they're they're able to oversee it effectively a quite complex operation. I mean, if you think, if you think about a K through 12 school, you know, there, there are varying sizes, but it can be up to 1000 1200 students in some cases, 60, 70, 80, maybe even over 100 teachers. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes most most challenging are the parents, you know, who are responsible ultimately for the students and who need to trust the school. Um, And there can be thousands of parents involved. And so this is someone who is ready and able to take responsibility for all that and take all of those people and bring them together in the service of the school's mission, which is teaching the liberal arts and sciences to young men and women uh, and making sure that along with this content-rich education, They receive education in in moral virtue, intellectual virtue, and civic Mm -hmm. virtue, too.
0: So you mentioned those virtues that you want to see present eventually in the school children at these classical schools, and that likely means they have to be present also in these leaders. What are those virtues that you want to see present in successful leaders of schools?
1: Well, there's no doubt that you've got to be a person of um, incredible moral virtue to run a school. And uh, I would say intellectual virtue too. It's funny to kind of pick out particular virtues because the virtues are so intertwined mm-hmm. with each other. If you go back to Aristotle, he names a series of moral virtues, but the more you look into them, the more you see that they they kind of depend upon each other. If we're if we're doing it, I guess I would say leaders have to be courageous. That's really important. Not overly bold, not overly confrontational, or overly confident, but nevertheless willing to take as I said, responsibility for a massive organization. Unafraid when they face criticism, as they surely will. Strong enough to weather even quite harsh criticism, which sometimes comes their way. And steadfast enough to see a complicated organization through a series of ups and downs that are just going to be inevitable Mm -hmm. when it's getting started. So courage, steadfastness, I think are really important. Even more important than that probably is prudence. Aristotle says prudence is knowledge about the things that change. Wisdom is knowledge about the things that don't change. Prudence is knowledge of the things that do. And so what it means is taking your understanding of, in this case, the mission of the school, your vision of where the school needs to be, and applying that understanding to the particular circumstances you're dealing with in that moment, which is you know, unforeseeable in advance. Mm-hmm. Every school is its own group of people. It's going to face its own ups and downs. It's going to have its own challenges. And a prudent leader is able to see those specific circumstances and see through them the path toward the the end that all of these schools have in common. And that is a, um, prudence is an interesting virtue because it's a it's the link between the moral and the intellectual virtues. It involves a sort of steadfastness, a sort of calmness in the face of complex and, um, you know, varying information, but then it's an intellectual virtue too, because it's seeing a path. It's, it's understanding what specific is requ- what specific thing is required in this circumstance. Mm-hmm. Those two virtues I think are hard to teach, particularly because they're so important in this case. I mean, a person has just got to be rock solid in order to be able to do this. And so running a school is uh, it's an incredible test of a person's own metal, person's own virtue, and it brings out virtues. Um, that's the beautiful thing about public service or, or public leadership. It brings out virtues like prudence mm-hmm. um, and a kind of height of courage that you might not have an opportunity to display if you were doing a, a less demanding job or a smaller scale type of job. So it's a it's an exciting job, but it's a demanding job too.
0: If we take that to its end, we know that this person also has to be essentially an embodiment of, of not just these virtues that we want to see in our children, but also of the school's mission, which uh, at these schools is very, very clear. In what ways can this school leader take on the school's mission and sort of be that that person to, to lead the way?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Teaching is done through precept and example, um, meaning sometimes you teach someone by just explaining it to them. If you're studying the Revolutionary War, you just make a timeline um, and lay it all out with the dates and the names and the maps and all of that. Uh, but there are some things, particularly when we're talking about K-12 students who are so Fresh in their education there are some things that are taught by example so students learn um, especially very young students but really all students learn a lot from the way that their teachers are just just observing their teachers in the classroom and they notice little things that the teachers may not be including as part of the lesson but they're they're nevertheless teaching um, they notice that this teacher is kind they notice that this teacher is articulate they notice that this teacher is careful. And so as a as a hirer of teachers, our, our principals are responsible for taking taking care that they hire people who will both say the right things and do the right things, kind of be the right people. As the leader of the school, the principal, as the as the primary teacher of the teachers and the parents and the students, is kind of at the height of this. Mm. And um, it's compounded by the fact that the community is so large, even in a school with three or 400 students, the community is so large that you, the, the school leader, can't teach every person directly what you want them to know about the mission of the school. So you have to kind of display it, and you have to kind of turn into sort of a, an example of it. And you have opportunities as the leader to to teach explicitly. You give speeches about what's happening at the school and the mission and why we're doing this and why we're doing that. You also recognize that people just learn a lot from watching you, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I learned this the hard way when I was when I was first <laughs> starting. I had I used to have a um, I've kind of cured myself of it now, but I used to have this tendency to let my emotions show on my face. So if I was worried or thinking hard about something, you could just look at me and tell. Um, in in college, my professors used to st- like stop me after class and say, "Katie, are you okay?" And I was like, yeah, but I'm just taking notes. But I just, I looked like serious and maybe a little upset when (laughs) I was thinking hard. So, of course, in the first year of the school, I'm thinking hard all the time. Yes. And these parents would sometimes get the idea that something was gravely wrong at the school because Dr. O'Toole was walking around with a serious face. So as soon as I learned that I did that, I stopped immediately and made a point of shoulders back, you know, head up, smile on the face all the time because people were learning from my appearance how things were going at the school what that means is it's a it's 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 like any sort of very public job in that you don't you don't you have to sort of rise to fit the the position mm-hmm. while you're in the position you know and you don't get to you don't get to talk about your personal life you don't get to tell people you're having a bad day because The whole thing is kind of depending in a way on your attitude and your belief, your courage that you can that you can see it through. Um, But it's also a great, you know, this fact that people learn from the way that you behave is also a great asset um, if you know how to use it. Because you can teach a massive group of people about classical education if you're willing to sort of step up and be their symbol Mm -hmm. of classical education.
0: Talking with Dr. Kathleen O'Toole, assistant provost for K-12 education at Hillsdale College, a former headmaster herself. So take us through a little bit of what it was like to be a headmaster. Uh, from your day-to-day sort of responsibilities and work, w- what did you do as, as headmaster?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, what
0: didn't you do as headmaster?
1: <laughs> well, you know that you've gotten things under control where, when you have a consistent answer to that question semi-consistent answer to that question. The the man who hired me for my, for my job was called Scott Davis, and he was a great man. He's now departed, which is a very sad thing. He was just a very sort of supportive type of guy, and he gave me these little snippets of advice in my early years of doing the job. And one of them was, you're going to show up to work every day, and you're going to have your to-do list on your desk, and then school's going to start at 8.05, <laughs> and... Within 10 minutes, 8.15, that to-do list will be replaced by a new to-do list. So just get used to it. Um, and that's exactly what happened. You know, stuff comes up. Kids scrape their knees. Parents come in wanting to have a conference right then and there. This teacher's sick. Suddenly you have to go teach third grade right now. You know, that kind of stuff happens. And so it's it's a job that requires an incredible amount of flexibility, especially in the early years of the school. Um, the key responsibilities of the headmaster, though, are speaking about the mission of the school to the to the community, mm-hmm. making sure that the mission of the school is brought to life within the school, chiefly by working with the teachers directly. The, the principal works with the teachers so that the teachers can work with the students. And so you're hiring and supporting a faculty of people, and they're the ones that are kind of in charge of the day-to-day carrying out of the mission. And so they're the most important people in your life. You've got to make sure your teacher's you know, have what they need and are the right type of people to be doing this curriculum in the classroom. Um, That means throughout the day, you're walking around the school. The number of things that drag you into your your office, the spreadsheets and the meetings and the things you could be writing are numerous, but you have to fight all of that and be out in the hallways all the time because you learn things about how your school is doing from Mm -hmm. just walking around. Teachers need to be observed. Uh, In Hillsdale schools, we're really big on this. Teachers need constant observation and feedback, even if they're very good at what they're doing. Teaching is an art. It's not something that you just achieve and then bingo, you're a good teacher. You need to be working on it throughout your entire career. And in order to work on it successfully, you can't just be locked in your classroom all day with 25 kids. Mm -hmm. You need someone who knows about teaching coming in and talking with you about what you did and was it the most effective and being sort of an effective mentor for you. So the headmaster is either doing that, him or herself, or making sure that it is done regularly.
0: When you think about the knowledge that you needed about classical education, liberal arts education and being a headmaster and the knowledge you needed from the, the business side, the administrative side, the operations side how would you compare that th- those two?
1: well that's a that's a good question um, because it's it's a challenging job because you're in charge of two things that are essential and which don't often go together to be the headmaster or principal of a classical school you have to know what classical education is and you have to sort of deeply understand, that mission, enough to be able to articulate it but also understand if it's being carried out in this kindergarten classroom, that fifth grade classroom, you know, with that particular eighth grade child. And so that that requires kind of a deep understanding of what education is and how it happens. Um, there's a lot of curriculum you have to know The number of things that students are taught kindergarten through 12th grade is massive. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at the Hillsdale College curriculum, the scope and sequence for it, meaning just the list of what you learn and the order in which you learn it is 750 pages long. (laughs) And it includes everything (laughs) from how do you teach a child to read, to Homer's Odyssey, to astronomy. So it's it's a deep and broad curriculum and The headmaster doesn't need to be an expert in every aspect of it but the headmaster should be someone with a broad enough range of academic interests that he or she can walk into a science class or hire a science teacher and You know do that well at the same time. It's an organization uh, It has employees it has income it has expenditures it has state compliance it has legal needs And uh, it has a facility, you know, that probably has payments due on it. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, it's an organization and it needs to be run responsibly so that it can stay afloat. Because all of the brilliant teachers of Latin in the world aren't going to be enough if your bills aren't getting paid. And so you've got to be a person with enough dexterity, I think, to do well in all of that. That's not to say you need to be an expert mm-hmm. in all of that. Headmasters that we work with or principals we work with typically uh, are strong in either the ap- uh, academic side or the operations side. And provided they have that bandwidth to feel responsibility and take responsibility for all of that, we tell them great, you know, you come in, you use your deep knowledge of liberal education and your less deep knowledge of operations to hire someone to be your director of operations or your business manager. And then you just delegate to that person and give them, you know, authority and accountability. And that's how you make sure it's done. There are very few people in the world who are equally strong in both. They Mm. do exist, (laughs) but they are few and far between.
0: So you've mentioned a few times the importance of of delegating responsibilities, delegating jobs that, that perhaps need to be done. How important is it for a, a headmaster, a leader of a school to understand those weaknesses, those areas that they don't know as much, perhaps as others around them, and, and have that trust that someone else is going to do the job that needs to be done?
1: I, it's really, really important. I think self-knowledge is essential. Um, I have I have seen people take leadership roles in schools before, and convince themselves that they can do both. They can do the academic side. They can do the operations side. They can be the one coaching the teachers. And then they, um, you know, of course it it fails to happen well because no single person can do all of that well. So you've you've got to be able to identify the things that you will be the best at doing and then have the humility but also the strength to hire people to do the things that, that you know less about. And, you know, learn from them, but also still be able to hold them accountable.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And that can be a tricky balance. But, you know, sometimes people who are young hesitate about school leadership for that that reason. You know, they know they're going to have to hire teachers who are older than they are. And they feel like they're going to have to, you know, somehow be able to boss around those teachers or Mm -hmm. something. And it's not like that at all. Um, when you hire someone who's more experienced than you in a particular area, it can work as long as that person doesn't want to do your job and you don't want to do their job, right? And you each need to know enough about the other person's job in order to, in order to judge, you know, whether they'll be good at it. Um, I hired when I was, when I started, I hired this fifth grade teacher who was going into her 20th year of teaching and she was awesome, and I knew it. And part of me was a little scared to hire her because I felt so young and so inexperienced. But I thought, man, she is going to be great. And so we just had the conversation. I said, you know, you've been teaching fifth grade for a long time. You're obviously very good at it. Are you open to doing it this way? And are you open to me being the principal of the school? And she said, yeah, I don't want to be the principal of the school. I want to <laughs> teach fifth grade. And... um, and she could tell that, you know, I would defer to her on the things that she knew about without, without relegating my responsibility over that fifth grade classroom. So it's a tricky balance. But if you hire people that you trust, you can make it work.
0: Talking to Dr. Kathleen O'Toole about what it takes to lead a school when you consider the motivation of a, a school leader. There's a lot. You know. You have to keep the school open. As you mentioned, there's bills to pay. You have to attract new students. You have to hire the best teachers. You have to make sure students who are graduating are living up to standards. What's the core motivation of someone who wants to take on all of those responsibilities and have that, as you mentioned earlier, that total responsibility, that ownership over all of it?
1: Well, I think it can't work. It's It's not a job that will be worth having, or enjoyable to have unless you really really like children mm. and really really care that they get the right type of education running a school is a beautiful thing every day it's you know it's the it's the most rewarding thing i've ever done and some days I would go, go home and say, man, it's just a little too rewarding, <laughs> frankly, because everything is so important. You know, this this child, this particular child's education is so important. And there are 400 of them in the first year. But, you know, you have to feel that weight and you have to understand the responsibility of that and really want to make the most of that. I think today also school leaders need to Understand the place of classical education in the broader K twelve education landscape in America. Um, We have, for too many years in this country, compromised on curriculum and teaching in our public schools. And if you go to an average American public school today, there's um, there's just a lot to be disappointed in. I think. I mean, there there are bright spots, but generally speaking, the best people are not becoming teachers. And the best curriculum is not making its way into our schools. Um, Take something simple, right? It's essential that you learn how to read when you're little. Everyone agrees on this, right? And yet in this country, we have forgotten to teach children how to read. (laughs) And there are many places where kids get into high school without being well-versed in the English language. How is that acceptable? Um, To me, it's extremely frustrating because we know We used to know in this country, and we know in the classical education world how to teach kids to read. Why aren't we doing this across the entire country? Um, And it's because of centralization and a whole bunch of other things. But what classical schools are doing is bringing back this knowledge of how to teach, what you should be reading, what you should be learning, and what it means to be an educated person. And in the charter world, they're bringing it to every American kid Mm -hmm. free of cost. Um, And that is really, really exciting. And I think if if education in this country is going to turn a corner, it's going to be because what we do in the classical world gets noticed. And so I want the very best people to become teachers and to become leaders of these schools because, A, it's a really fun and exciting job. um, And, B, it really, really matters kind of fundamentally, kind of more than anything right now.
0: Dr. Kathleen O'Toole, Assistant Provost for K-12 Education at Hillsdale College and a former classical school headmaster as well. Dr. O'Toole, thanks for joining us on the Hillsdale College Classical Education Podcast.
1: Always a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: I'm Scott Bertram. We invite you to like us on Facebook. Search for Hillsdale College K-12 Classical Education. You also can follow us on Instagram at Hillsdale underscore K-12, Hillsdale underscore K-12 on Instagram. And check out our website k12.hillsdale.edu. Thank you for listening to the Hillsdale College Classical Education Podcast.